Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Animal advocacy for the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan, and Sally is back with brand new shows, so check that out, 12 to 1, for all things pansexual. And yeah, on the show today, I am joined by um, a guest and also another Freedom of Species host. So um, I'll start with our guest, maybe. So starting off with uh, Jamie Woodhouse, who is from Sentientism Podcast. Um, Welcome back to the show, Jamie. It's great to be here again, Nick. Thanks for the invite. And also joined by Freedom of Species host Adam as well, Adam Cardellini. Howdy. And I'm Nick Pendergrass hosting today. And the show today is around this issue of sort of combating and and challenging and and getting through to those who hold maybe conspiratorial or or less evidence-based views within the vegan movement. So... Yeah, it's something that's come up on a whole bunch of shows, shows, plenty of shows that me and Adam have done, but also other shows from Davida and Trev and other hosts on the show. But we probably haven't um, necessarily focused too much on, you know, sort of addressing the issue and, and effectively speaking to people, um, yeah, who, who hold these kinds of views as well. So I thought it was a, um, yeah, a... a yeah, definitely an important topic to address on the show. Um, and yeah, I think Adam, as a science communicator, would you say, or someone who researches science communication, would that be fair to fair characterization? Uh, interested in science communication, starting yep. to do some research into the space, but um, yeah, yeah, developing. Yep. And Jamie as well, who again hosts uh, Sentientism podcast, which is well. Why don't Why don't you just talk just uh, in a nutshell what that podcast is about? I think this makes you a uh, this background makes you a perfect um, guest for the show as well, Jamie. Yeah. Thank you. Well, yeah, Sentientism is a worldview, I guess, or a philosophy. And uh, the reason I think it's a good fit is because it combines answers to two really deep questions. One, you know, what should we care about? Who, who matters ethically? And sentientism, the clue is in the name, says all sentient beings, every being that can uh, experience, can suffer, can flourish, should matter to us morally. Um, so that's the ethical side. But it has another part, which is answering the question, what's real and what should we believe? And in simple terms, it says we should use a, a naturalistic approach to trying to work that out using evidence and reason with humility to sort of form provisional beliefs about the world yeah so it's a combination of that sort of naturalistic um way of understanding things but also a broad sentiocentric compassion technically yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and the podcast the podcast is a series of interviews with people who you know agree and disagree with that philosophy as we try and popularize it and knock some of the rough edges off it 
Yeah, and I think all three of those things, mate, you're perfect guests. Again, the focus on um, sentient, sentience and, yeah, sort of animal rights and, and those kind of issues, but also that rationality, but also that third thing you mentioned as well of also speaking to people who don't necessarily agree with, with both of those things or, or perhaps only agree with one but not the other, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I, I thought we'd start things off because what specifically, again, we've sort of these issues have come up quite a bit on the show, on issues, uh, episodes around vaccination, and and other topics Um, but what specifically sort of led me to come up with this idea for the show is on a recent episode called uh, what are the most effective individual actions for the climate which me and Adam hosted Um, and Adam gave some critiques of the movie don't look up which has been really popular um, from a science communication perspective so I guess maybe as a starting point, Adam, particularly because that one, that episode was a while ago and two, some listeners may not have heard that show. Would you mind just sort of recapping your critique uh, of that movie for, again, from a science communication standpoint? Yeah, the, the main critique, I think, for the film is a very simple one in that it, it looked down upon. Um, well, I, I felt like some parts of it came across as as looking down upon um, certain people who didn't hold the same beliefs as the show held or was um, presenting. And so it made fun of them, derided them. Um, and, you know, that in entertainment, I suppose that's fine. But if you're actually trying to have a genuine conversation with someone and you're trying to um, understand their perspective and provide an alternative perspective, being um, derogatory, bigoted, and and a little bit mean-spirited isn't a good way to have a conversation with anyone. It's, it, it's not conducive to having a discussion and it doesn't leave that person feeling like they can come away um, with a new perspective. It's, it's, it usually is just going to put their back up and they, they just won't participate in the conversation. So um, coming to discussions openly not being um, not looking down on people basically and trying to understand where they're coming from I think is a really important um, part of communicating science and scientific ideas yeah and on a on a side note Jamie have have you seen don't look up at all or does that have yeah you have yeah does that critique resonate with you in terms of your viewing of the film I think it does I mean of course it's making some important points and um, and some of the messages that play through are well-founded but I agree that the tone it feels worryingly reassuring to someone who agrees with it and that's I think that's one of the indications that maybe something's gone wrong with the communication strategy is if you're on the right side for the target audience and you're lapping it up enthusiastically that probably means someone on the other side of the fence is feeling very different so I think yeah that's a fair criticism yeah yeah and I I think um the discussion this or you want to jump in Adam yeah it's preaching to the choir Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. yeah 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 it can I feel mean, good but <laughs> yeah and yeah. and i don't think that necessarily makes it totally worthless because i think um both me and my partner katie did feel sort of reactivated to engage with the climate change issue which i think a lot of people have had too much sort of covid fatigue to deal with the climate change fatigue of dealing with climate change and there was that yes yeah, so i think perhaps it did have some positive effect of again sort of re-energizing those who already you know accepted the science on climate change but probably not reaching out to those um who didn't and yeah another another thought is in that sense i think it can have some value because it can feel like it might be you know building solidarity amongst those who 
you know, are already on board and maybe build some motivation. But I don't think it's extending that solidarity or giving a chance for to engage other people that well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so in in this first little section, I wanted to just briefly, again, this is something that's come up in all the show, I guess, identify the issue around um, sort of uh, pseudoscientific, non-evidence-based, conspiratorial, et cetera, thinking, um, which is, you know, exists within the vegan movement and outside of it as well, of course, but uh, definitely within it is what we're going to focus on particularly and I wanted to give just an opening example from my own experience. Uh, I remember, I can't remember, I think it was perhaps in a vegan group, but maybe it's just on like a vegan I knew on their Facebook page, but someone shared a, a meme on Facebook about turmeric curing everything, basically. And I'm sure we're familiar with that. And the person commented like, you know, or maybe someone else shared this, they saw it, but they're like, thanks so much for sharing. Uh, my dog has some suspicious lumps. So rather than treat, they take them to the vet, I'm going to give them turmeric instead because that will cure uh it'll cure their cancer and yeah I, I was thinking in a way like that is quite easy to make fun of that kind of thinking as well but I think also we sort of probably should have some sort of compassion for those people as well I, I recently heard a podcast uh, called factually podcast by Adam Conover from the show Adam Bruins everything um called the psychology behind conspiracy theories with Rob Brotherton and sort of Adam Conover set up the discussion of like, I want what's going on in the world to match what's going on in my head as much as possible. I try and change, and but these other people don't. And Rob Brotherton, I believe, is a psychologist, was saying, no, everyone kind of accepts that. We've just got different levels of skill um, to weigh up evidence. So perhaps that person hadn't been to university, not to frame it up. Yeah, not to frame that dichotomy, because I think some people who go to university are not particularly critical thinking, and those who haven't been to university definitely are, but it's just sort of one tool that you can have to that does sort of train you in, in weighing up evidence. So again, it's not necessarily making that a bad person, but it can just be a matter of, yeah, they're trying to do their best as well, but not having that same skills and maybe relying more on anecdotal evidence, for example. But I guess handing the discussion over to Jamie as well, I guess that is where that second part of sentientism is so important, the sort of the rationality and evidence, because that wasn't them neglecting to treat a potential issue and their dog wasn't based on any lack of compassion for their dog. It was more a matter of, um, yeah, um, a lack of awareness of sort of weighing up different evidence as well. So I wonder if you, yeah, if you want to briefly talk about, um, I guess, that issue generally of, of sort of pseudoscience with the movement, but also the importance of not just compassion for animals, but also that evidence and rationality as well i think that's a great example of why we need a naturalistic way of understanding the world as well as compassion so some people will they'll engage with the sentientism idea and they say look i really like the compassion for all sentient beings obviously it fits well with animal advocacy and veganism and they're just like well don't we have that covered already because you care about all animals and that's basically what you're saying isn't it so why do you need this evidence and reason thing isn't it a little bit challenging to different ways of knowing isn't doesn't it rub up against you know religious worldviews for example or people who have a maybe more spiritual understanding of the world and um and i think what you've just laid out there is is a good example because i think it's important in a naturalistic way of, of thinking about things to be even radically open-minded about what might be true and to consider different ways of understanding and knowing and different sources of evidence but ultimately when it comes down to it um if you don't have an accurate understanding of reality, your compassion can go off the rails, as in the example with the woman putting a dog in a bath of turmeric. You know, that's just a, an example of where 
just being compassionate isn't enough. You need an accurate understanding of reality. And in a sense, that was one of the things that led me to this, try and develop this sentientism idea and persuade 7.8 billion other people to agree with me about it, <laughs> was, was that in a sense, almost every human cause problem seems to come back to either a failure of compassion. You know, there's other people or other sentient beings that we just exclude from our compassion and harm them or neglect them. So that's one problem, a failure of compassion. But the other root cause is people just getting stuff wrong um, and, and believing things that are poorly founded or untrue or fabricated. And that can be just as harmful as a failure of compassion. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's a really interesting example of why you don't just need compassion. You need, you know, ideally a, a decent understanding of the world. And naturalism doesn't guarantee that, of course, right? Because by definition, it's a flawed, imperfect sort of humble provisional process in its own right. But so far, I haven't seen any better way than using evidence and reason, you know, engaging with reality, honestly, to understand reality. Um, yeah, I'll keep an open mind, but it seems like the best way forward. <laughs> and I, I think there's a, um, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, but I, I like the way Jamie is sort of bringing together both, you know, com- compassion and rationality. Um, and there are other, and they're, they're two sort of, um, ways of thinking and understanding the, the world and there are other ways of thinking about and understanding the world and it's just that some people will balance up their different value sets in different ways to us um so the so what i like to to teach in psychom is that you're as a as a communicator the role is not to convince people but it's to provide them with the information that they they need to be able to make a judgment for themselves from their own position. And it should be a judgment that is um, made based on good evidence, um, but it also might be that that evidence is outweighed by religious religious values or other, other values, um, depending on what they want and what they're trying to, you know, the decisions they're trying to come into. Um, in the world. We see this in medical choices, choices about people taking on medicine or not. Um, it's just that sometimes re- their religious values trump um, scientific values in the, in that case and scientific evidence. Um, yeah, it, it's a weighing up. Uh, but I think having a variety of these values um, and knowing that it's not just one, because uh, I think a, a strong criticism of, of sort of science is that it can be too positivist and say it knows the what the way the world should be um and i think and certainly jamie's not uh, arguing that but people do i don't think we we pursue that sort of position yeah Hmm. Yeah. and i agree and i think that's what that's one of the tricky things to play in here is because i think it it's enormously healthy both on the evidence and reason side to have a massive pluralism of different views and opinions working each other out to try and improve our understanding of the world and to and that sort of freedom of thought and, of, and freedom of speech, I think, is deeply important in that process. But it's also important on the value side. You know, as we respect individuals, we want, we want to ensure people have got space to think about value in their own terms and um, you know how that plays through in their lives. And again, that can play that plays into this subject in a difficult way because um, there's almost a sliding scale from um, you know enforcing a view to at the other end being so neutral that you allow something harmful to take root and to impact others. And so sometimes it is a question about, um, you know, where on that scale for, from imposition to appeasement, if you like, should we be when we think other people's values or uh, 
views about the world that are, are harmful. It's a tricky balance sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I guess just to give a couple more examples, just a really sort of high profile recently, high profile exam, example recently, um, Novak Djokovic, um, tennis player, has made international news, definitely news all around Australia about not being allowed into Australia due to not being vaccinated or, or having anti-vaccinated stance. And I didn't know until quite recently, but he's also a vegan as well, which I didn't know about. Um, he's into meditation, um, but he's also anti-vaxxer. He also, um, I shouldn't even say but, because again, these things can often go together, um, but also into has some, you know, fairly out there beliefs about, you know, how emotions can make toxic food and water more healthy and, and kind of views like that. Um, and just on a similar vein as well, um, on the issue of vaccination, I recently heard that Brunswick, which is a inner city in a north uh, suburb of Melbourne, quite near the 3CR studio, has relatively low rates of vaccination, as does uh, Carlton and Fitzroy. And Fitzroy, 3CR, um, our studio, is in Fitzroy. And it was interesting that this article in The Guardian about this, that they mentioned veganism in there. It was like talking about the people who are against, uh, who are anti-vaxxers, and they're saying they're health conscious, they're vegan. Uh, and yeah, this idea of these people in Brunswick who are known for being more progressive, caring about the environment, eating organic uh, wellness and these things, some of which which probably we'd, many of us would see as more positive than many people listen to this show, but can be linked to more anti-vax and, and kind of conspiratorial kind of things. So I guess that's the link we're going to look into. Obviously, it's not inherent to any of those things of being vegan or caring about the environment. But um, yeah, sometimes there can be these, these sort of overlaps. So gonna, can you t- continue talking about these, but also talking about talking about those within the vegan movement and within these progressive movements generally who may behold um, anti-vaccine views, um, conspiratorial views, etc. Um, but before that, we're going to take a song. So this is a song called Bad Science. I thought that was quite relevant to what we're talking about, uh, mainly just for the title of the song. It's by Cursive um, from the album Happy Hollow, which is a song all about religion and science and stuff like that, or, or lack of religion in their case. So, yeah, we'll play this song and more after this. Mom's
Australia's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID. To no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species on 3CR Community Radio. Uh, me and Adam are chatting to Jamie Woodhouse from Sentientism Podcast, talking about, um, yeah, lots of issues. But what we're going to focus on here is particularly this sort of uh, link or association, this idea of, yeah, this association at least some people have, like, oh, they're vegan, so they're going to be anti-vax. Or, um, yeah, this sort of association between uh, veganism and sort of... Um, non-evidence-based, maybe more spiritual, more uh, less scientific ways of thinking, I guess. So, yeah, obviously, Jamie, this is a heavy, uh, yeah, big issue in your podcast. Um, Yeah, what do you think about this this link that is sometimes made, this association between veganism and sort of, uh, yeah, non-evidence-based ways of thinking? Oh, go ahead, Adam. And and I just want to... uh, mention that this is there's a there's a history here. So if we look back at the late 1800s, early 1900s, when there was a um, big culture and community of vegetarianism, that also correlated with um, spirituality and the belief of spirits. And yeah, so there's it's it's not just a recent thing, but this mm. this goes back in time that there's this connection between um, say alternative diets and um, ways of thinking about animals and um, sort of other other ways of thinking about the world as well. Yeah, and I would jump in as well and also say that, yeah, also I think like veganism and vegetarianism have been linked to like anti-war movements and human rights and stuff and lots of positive things as well. And it very much gets back to that Brunswick example. A lot of the same reasons they listed why there are a lot of anti-vaxxers there are the same reasons like I, I like Brunswick in terms of being a progressive area, environmentally conscious area, lots of vegans, etc. And they're giving it as a reason for why people aren't getting out, aren't getting vaccinated, which uh, I'm not into. So yeah, it's a, it's a strange link, but um yeah, what do you think, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's a fascinating space. And I'm not sure I'd love to see some better research on whether whether these themes are actually more prevalent in you know, yeah. vegan and animal I should say spaces, that, but it, that article as well, that they did mention like international students had moved out of the area. Like, there was lots of things going on, so it was purely a hypothesis. Um, but Brunswick yeah. apparently has even historically had slightly lower vaccination rates. But, yeah, it's a good point. But whether it's more prevalent or not, I do think there are some themes that you can draw and you can see how, um, you know, how people find, find a path into some of those ideas. And Adam made a great point. You're right. This has got a deep and ancient history as well. You can go even even further back than that. Some people's vegetarianism and veganism is grounded in a belief in reincarnation. So, you know, the reason they don't want to eat an animal is because they're worried they're eating their grandmother. So, so you know, there are some, it depends what route people have found into the animal advocacy and the vegan spaces. Some people, you know, like myself, it was more, 
uh, thinking about epistemology and atheism and then thinking, yeah, but that doesn't help me with any moral structure. So humanism and then thinking, hold on, there's a problem here. It's only about our species. So for me, it was more a sort of naturalistic route into ethics. For other people, they've come to it from something that is religious or spiritual or just a, a sort of rich sense of connection with nature or a warm sense of compassion um so it depends what path people have followed into this but i think there's a there's a few things that jump out to me that do feel like links um one is that um it it, in a way it does feel like animal agriculture and all of the systems around it are a bit like a conspiracy theory right so so we are a tiny minority battling against a super powerful range of forces um, that have enormous amounts of money, operate in the shadows, deliberately hide their actions and use gaslighting to persuade people to comply. Right. So so once you've seen through that, in a way, that puts you in the mindset of being ready for <laughs> maybe thinking there are other conspiracy theories out there. Now, obviously, the difference is this one is actually supported by evidence and it's pretty solidly real. And the other ones might not be so. But you can see how that mindset might correlate with believing in unfounded conspiracy theories um there's also i think um a sense that when you found one topic where you're really really sure you're right that confidence can spill over unfortunately into other areas so you know animal advocates and vegans i think are right about their stance on for example animal agriculture right we have a very strong level of confidence but that can sometimes spill over into analogous maybe unrelated areas of knowledge and i think you can see even scientists fall into that trap as well you know they have a really strong area of knowledge and confidence and expertise and then they start talking about epidemiology and feel they have no you know relevant knowledge in and their confidence spills over i think atheists are another group where you know sometimes they're so confident in their atheism or their extreme agnosticism something i'd agree they're right about but that can spill over into a confidence about you know, all sorts of other things that they don't have the knowledge in. So there's a bunch of different things that I think can, you know, maybe link these ways of thinking. Um, And the third I'd call out is one that you hinted at earlier on, which is this sort of uh, maybe a naturalistic fallacy, an affinity with nature, an affinity with the non-human. We're so often rightly sceptical about humans and our influence in the world that that leads us, one, to be overly sceptical of any human initiative, and to maybe be a little bit too acceptingly reverential of anything natural that doesn't have humans in it. Um, and that can lead you to uh, you know, be more sceptical of um, traditional me- or, or, or actual medicine and a bit more open to alternative medicine, for example. So there's, yeah, there's a few sort of themes that I think could be, you know, links in people's thoughts but between these different fields. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. And particularly the the first point, I think, is a um, I've had a few conversations with friends who are both vegan and anti-vaxxers and um, and talked about that and had open conversations, really good conversations about that. um, You know, they have we we are lied to about animals for our whole lives until we go, bam, like we we realize that. There is this huge conspiracy about animals, really. We are told that animals are fine and they're happy and their welfare is being looked after and it's all bullshit. Um, And so when that floodgate opens, I think it makes the the scepticism for any other or many other um, sort of assumptions about the world uh, then 
really the foundations about um, how the world works are really shaken and it allows people to open that skepticism up far more widely and you see this yeah. with people who fall into conspiratorial thinking um, where they there's like a a small little wedge they get in there's one issue that they that they um, start believing and then it just opens up and when you look at um, conspiracy theorists uh, one of the for strong conspiracy theorists, one of the um, telltale sort of characteristics is that they'll not just believe in one conspiracy, but they'll believe in many, many conspiracies, if not all of them. And they hold um, um, uh, contradictory ideas about the world um, as true at the same time. And, you know, that, that's something that's um, pretty easy to do when you believe in conspiracies. Mm-hmm. I can imagine those friends will say to you, look, Adam, you've seen through big animal ag, why can't you see through Big Pharma? Right, what's going on? <laughs> they're, they're actually um, far more reasonable than that. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I understand that I am being, you know, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I just don't think I am. So, And they respect yeah. me not believing the same thing that they do. Um, the, other, the other thing that I think is, uh, I think Jamie sort of mentioned this in the last point, or it gets close to it, is that... Um, this affinity with with animals or nature or whatever it is, and I think it's it's also, and I've certainly found it myself. And so, you know, this is anecdotal, and I'd love to see some research on this this idea. But um, whether we become more empathetic or attuned to emotions or something like that, once we do recognise the um, subjectivity of others and other animals, and we open ourselves up to um, emotion as a reasonable um, a reasonable way to understand and engage in the world. We're told so often that emotion, from a from a scientific perspective, is wrong, and that we should um, be trying for objectivity, which is just not possible. Uh, and and that's a whole conversation that we can have. But um, but I think as as Jamie points out, with compassion, compassion can be um, considerate and thoughtful compassion and be a way to understand the world in a deeper, richer way than just using reason, rationality and naturalism. And so I think that sometimes we can fall into the emotion and into the um, compassion really deeply uh, in a way that sort of starts crowding out the reason. But I think both of those things are vital. And sometimes I think mainstream science and, and a lot of the world go too far on the rationality side or, or try to say that they're, they're mostly using rationality when in fact they're using a lot of emotion that they're just keeping it deep down or not, not um, uh, recognising it within themselves. Um, whereas I think that uh, opening up those emotional and empathetic um, sort of ways of thinking can can yeah again open a floodgate a little bit yeah. i'm not sure about that a, yeah i think it's a great i think it's a great point and another way this sort of emotion and reason balance i think can get thrown off kilter is actually within arguments in support of animal advocacy and veganism itself because um you know we're so convinced uh, rightly about the ethics of for example animal agriculture we're so confident in that we're so emotional about it because of the egregious horror um, that it drives a risk of motivated reasoning because we're so hungry to find any argument that will support what we want to see happen, i.e. the end of animal agriculture, for example, or testing research, that we will just seize on anything that supports that argument, sometimes 
a little bit over enthusiastically. And you can see that playing through in, you know, claims about veganism causing curing cancer or um, even in some of the environmental spaces where people will claim that if we go vegan, all of the environmental crisis will be solved overnight. Uh, just overstating claims, you know, drawing in lines of argument a little bit too enthusiastically without that level of criticism because of a justifiable emotional commitment to a cause. Um, and of course, you know, I'd argue that that actually undermines the credibility of the cause because we've got enough evidence and reason and justifiable compassion to carry the argument through with integrity. If you overstep the mark and let that motivated reasoning draw you into some places where you can be challenged and undermined, um, you'll lose credibility. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll better take another song in a moment. And then after the song, we'll finish up in the final section talking about, again, sort of having these conversations, which Adam referred to, to the friends who are vegan and are not supportive vaccination or, or just whatever kinds of views, conspiratorial views, not evidence-based views, etc. cetera. Uh, and also addressing this issue at the movement level as well in terms of um, perhaps challenging this co- connection between, you know, you're vegan, therefore you're going to, you know, be into, you know, non-evidence, you know, alternative medicine or whatever it may be as well. So the song that we're going to, play now is by um, a comedy duo Garfunkel and Oates uh, and the song is 29 slash 31 it's actually about women at like one of the one of the characters is 29 the other's 31 and kind of talking about those issues of, of getting older as a woman but the reason why I'm playing it here is there's a lot of uh, references to sort of more spiritual thinking like everything happens for a reason and the secret and positive thinking will solve everything and those kind of issues I thought it was quite relevant Uh, I do have to mention that this song does contain some swearing. For the first time in my life, I see it clearly. I realize the power of being a woman. 29 years old and time's on my side. I'm in my prime. I've hit my stride. I've got so much charisma and so many options. It's nice to always have my pick. There's nobody left. I'm all alone. I'm at the top of my game. Possibilities are endless. And I just feel really pretty. I'm holding out for someone who meets my standards. Won't settle for anything less than perfect. I know what I want. And I can have it. I'm surrounded by love and peace. There's nobody left. I'm all alone. Why did I wait? What's wrong with me? In two short years, I'm going to be 33. Who the hell will want me then? My ovaries are shrinking. I'm disgusting. And everyone feels bad for me. And I never get invited to dinner parties anymore. Things unfold when they're supposed to Cause everything happens for a reason It'll happen for me when I'm not even looking He'll just appear and I'll just know And he'll love me forever without any work Who needs to try when things are meant to be There's nobody left! I'm a catch, just look at I'm me I'm all alone! I'm smart and hot and have lots of interests Such an idiot! Man, you think you're so special because people tell you that now And that'll the one. stop! He was put on this earth looks my life complete The world is a buffet of love Oh, what? You think biological reality doesn't apply to you and your adorable cocoon of agelessness? Well, it does. And while you're just waiting around, focusing on you, guess what? You're gonna miss your window! Everything happens for a reason. You know I truly believe that. Yeah, you said that before. Oh my god, it does, though. Everything happens for a reason. What about the Haitian earthquake or cellulite on skinny women? Just say, hey, universe, I'm ready. It'll happen when you least expect it. Well, I don't expect it at all now, so I guess it's right around the corner. Maybe you're putting out the wrong vibe. Maybe you're closed off to love. 
Let me tell you a secret. It's called The Secret. There's another secret. You're an asshole. Your negativity is a self-fulfilling prophecy. The reason things go well for me is because of positivity. Well, I'm positive fertility always begins to atrophy when infantile fantasy eclipses true reality. It never once occurred to me that things won't work out perfectly. When God closes a door, you see, he opens a window. You realize that's a smaller opening, right? You used to be able to just walk out a door, and now you have to climb out some slightly ajar window somewhere, possibly falling like eight stories to your death. That is not an upgrade. And you know what else? There's nobody Seven left! Seven billion people on the planet. planet. My options will never, ever run out. I hate I'm you! I'm so happy. Aren't you You're happy? So I'm so happy. Stupid. You can't love someone else till you love yourself. You can't love someone else till you love yourself. You can't love someone else till you love yourself. You can't love someone else till you love yourself. Because life is over. Hey, you mob. It's time to get back to the community. So get your proof of vaccination ready. Get started by creating a MyGov account if you don't already have one and linking your Medicare number. Then add your COVID-19 digital certificate to the Service Victoria app. Now you're ready to go. Your COVID-19 digital certificate is your ticket. Let's show it with kindness to the businesses we visit and the Victorians who run them. Visit coronavirus.vic.gov.au forward slash vaxproof. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. A 3CR supporter. This lasting delusion about children trapped in tunnels. That's how we got Aussie Q, it seems. And now everything else. I mean, now it's just a six-month pipeline from that to Australians who, who, who live in this alternate uh, American fantasy land where they post about Donald Trump all the time. So its ability to via save the children stuff to get a whole range of different political persuasions in is what I found fascinating, you know. I talk a lot in the Aussie Q videos about how your auntie, she might not be that far right wing now but she might be quite left she might just be a spiritual hippie type but there's this broad appeal to things like save the children and great awakenings there's almost a hippie like quality to it particularly when you tone down the whole MAGA element of, of traditional Q and it's getting people in there but Q is not just a conspiracy theory is it it is this conspiracy theory that is meant to drag you right after a few months so your auntie's gonna be talking about make Australia great again in six months if she isn't right now listening to Radical Radio 3CR. Welcome back to Freedom of Species, bringing you Anne Wadsey on the airwaves of 3CR Radical Radio. Me and Adam are joined by Jamie Woodhouse from Sentientism Podcast, and we're talking about some of these issues of um, non-evidence-based thinking, of conspiratorial thinking, etc., within the vegan movement, um, and also, I guess how you know there's some sort of validity to that in a way. In that, um, again, going back to that podcast I mentioned before from the Factually podcast, the the psychologist saying, "Well, people do conspire." So sometimes conspiracies are true as well. But as Jamie touched <laughs> on, it's about accepting the ones where there is the evidence and rejecting those that, that there's not so much evidence behind. But again, pivoting the discussion in terms of you know talking with vegans who who are vegan but might be anti-vaccine. Uh, vaccine or um yeah like like the novak Djokovic thing believe about you know emotions changing food or water whatever it may be um but uh there was a great article which uh jamie actually sent me um this is from euronews.com we'll put a link to everything i mentioned in the notes but it was called what do veganism and conspiracy theories have in common by christopher sebastian 
And there was a good, really good quote from the article. This was from someone called Jason Merkley, who has a collective called Vegan GMO and is, yeah, vegan and positive about GMOs. Um, but he was talking about in terms of people who hold conspiratorial views, um, whether they're vegan or not. And, and Jason's advice was listen to them, ask questions, not gotcha questions, but questions that demonstrate a good faith effort to understand their concerns. Don't stop at the stated concerns, which might be things that aren't actually happening. Dig down deeper. Figure out what is the underlying concern or anxiety. What real or perceived injustice has created the trust vacuum that has opened the door for conspiracies? Find common ground, commiserate, acknowledge real harm. So I thought that was really good advice that might sort of serve as a starting point. And I just wanted to give one example for myself as well in that we don't necessarily have to pretend to find common ground. I think often that we already do have this common ground. We've touched on that already, but I was thinking even with like, you know, government advice around the pandemic, for example, um, and advice from the chief health officers have been really significant in, uh, in Australia in terms of yeah, setting restrictions and giving advice, et cetera. Um, and this is from an article by someone called Jay Waterford in the Canberra times, but pointing out that government health advisors are not necessarily totally Totally independent of the government and their official advice may be influenced or compromised by other pressures unrelated to health such as the economic concerns of the government so I, I think like from the other side of those who may be a more skeptical of the, those conspiracy theories doesn't mean that we're not you know critical of government or doesn't mean that we're um, totally accepting what what the government says because the the government doesn't necessarily equal science again there, there's other concerns that go into and that's why you know health experts like Norman Swan who's been a big voice in the ABC sometimes his his opinions have differed from the official government advice because he's giving more of a health perspective rather than health but other business and all these kind of other things mixed in so again I think that's sort of the the common ground that we can find in the um, when we're talking about that um, but uh, yeah maybe hand it over to maybe Adam I guess first you spoke about having some of these conversations already um, yeah just just advice in terms of speaking to people getting through to people um, particularly in the vegan movement who might hold conspiratorial anti-vax etc views yeah so there's a couple of things and what you said at the top there nick is pretty much it and it's not i think changing changing the way you approach these conversations to not be about i think you said um getting through to people i don't i don't think it's about don't go in with a goal of getting through to someone Go in with a goal of listening to them, hearing their concerns, because they're often, you know, some of their concerns are legitimate. When we think about pre-COVID, um, anti-vaccination was a classic example for this, or climate change concerns um, was classic examples for this. And you would ask someone what their, their concerns about anti-vaccination was, and they'd say, well, a friend told me that their friend's son was... Um, really sick after vaccination and now I'm scared for my for my kids so I don't want to get a vaccination um, because I'm just not sure and that's a legitimate concern it's a legitimate concern that's founded in faulty information um, and misinformation but we need to recognize that it actually comes from a reasonable place their concern for their for their um, family and once you can uh, hear that concern acknowledge it uh, recognize that it is a valid it's valid to be concerned about one's family of course we would be concerned about our family um, and then provide information to respond to the concern 
Um, give the, uh, if you can, provide some debunking information that highlights where where the um, evidence really sits. Uh, share personal stories. Talk about yourself. You know, I I was once um, worried about X or Y, and and this is how I sort of work through that fear or that concern. Um, and and importantly, don't pass judgment. So don't pass judgment. Don't expect an outcome. Don't expect them to change their, their thoughts right then and there. It's about having a conversation. It's about a discussion. And you are trying to provide um, an opportunity for alternative, alternative um, perspectives and alternative information that they can then consume, think about, and make um, a decision based upon. Um, yeah. And you can add to that, Jamie, in terms of advice. And I know you do it all the time on your podcast or, or regularly on your podcast, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that advice is spot on. And to be honest, I'm better on the podcast sort of in person than I am on Twitter where sometimes the snark escapes. So hmm. I'm sure people, anyone who listens to this will be able to trawl over my Twitter feed and go, well, here's a number of examples where you weren't entirely leading with compassion. Sorry, hmm. no one's perfect. Um, but but uh, the, the thing I'd layer onto what Adam said is, um, I, one of my recent guests was um, an author and academic called Lee McIntyre, who wrote a book, How to Talk to a Science Denier. And he would, you know, absolutely agree with everything that Adam just said. And he brought it to a point by saying, look, people don't change their minds when they're engaging with someone they don't trust. They have to trust you. That has to be that personal connection there. So, so that's really the most important thing. It's the foundation of a trusted personal relationship that is grounded in that compassion and that shared uh, understanding that Adam laid out. And then, you know, you can at the appropriate time in the right way ask questions and layer in evidence and reason. Um, so, yeah, I think that's I think that's an important additional consideration. And there's a couple of other points I'd make as well. Is be be um, be firm in your own convictions. Don't don't just yeah. like get steamrolled uh, from their position. Like be clear that what you're stating is based in evidence and it's the best evidence that we have. As long as you are using evidence to come to your reason position, um, and and you can be you can be firm, but be kind. Um, and the other point has escaped me, so I won't I won't go right. into that. But there's there's a really good so a really excellent um, person who there's a short video I think it's like 18 minutes you can find it on YouTube um, called George Marshall who's a climate uh, change advocate and has been for decades. Um, if you look at how to communicate climate change by George Marshall, he provide he just walks you through those steps and and acts as if he's talking to his uncle who's a climate change skeptic and really it really highlights that um empathy um the the, the development of empathy and and a shared understanding and a connection the other point i was um i was going to make is yeah people are using heuristics when they're making decisions if we made a decision if we made a reasoned decision, evidence-based decision about everything we did in our day, we would not get out of bed. You know, we would just let be... Me, let me get my spreadsheet out and yeah, run a regression yeah. analysis. Exactly. <laughs> we use heuristics all the time. And these are just shortcuts to make a decision about whether we step right or left, you know. And we do this with science. Um, often people will go, oh, 
that sounds scientific, it must be true. This is why pseudoscience is a thing, because science is a trusted, um, a trusted idea and people glom onto it. So if something sounds scientific, they're more likely to believe it. That's why people use scientific language to sell shit. Um, but with, um, yeah, so basically friends and peers become a heuristic. If you're a trusted friend then you'll go, oh, well, I trust them when they're talking about how how I should look after my dog or I trust them when they're talking about veganism because they're so knowledgeable in that space. Surely they're knowledgeable in these other things as well. And they, they short-circuit their own reasoning functions and they just use the heuristic of, my friend is telling me this, I'm going to believe it. So um, become a friend, become, become someone that they can trust and maybe you become a heuristic. Although you want to also build their, their capacity to reason for themselves. But as Nick said at the start, it's actually a really, it's a, it's a very, it's a learned skill. It's um, becoming more and more difficult in this um, really crowded information space that we've got with disinformation, misinformation, malinformation, fact, uh, you know, false news, all these fake news, all this sort of stuff. It's wild, so it's hard. Mm. Yeah, and I, and to my mind, there's there's a link here between the way ideally we'd like people to think about reality and how we have conversations. So when you, when people are thinking about reality, there's this sort of classical sliding scale. The one extreme is aggressive denial. Um, you know, I just will not accept those facts because they don't accord with what I want to believe. At the other extreme is total gullibility. You know. I will just accept anything that tells me the earth is flat without questioning whatsoever. Right. And of course, what we want is for people to generally be roughly in the middle, you know, an appropriate level of skepticism where you're not gullible, but you're not in denial. You're open minded, but you're flexible, but you're still confident enough in you know, evidence to actually base your credences on. So that's one spectrum. But I think that spectrum of you know, denial through skepticism to gullibility links to ways we could have conversations as well. So on the denial side, you've got a sort of aggressive approach to a conversation where you're just ramming facts down someone's throat, pointing at how stupid they are, you know, classic sort of Twitter tone, right? So that that denial matches to this level of aggression. But I think, Adam, you made a really important point. There's a danger of going the other way as well because the gullible analog is just a sort of a appeasement or avoidance or just, oh yeah, whatever you say goes, that's absolutely fine, right? Which to my mind is actually patronizing to another person, right? You need to respect them enough to be, you know, clear and firm in your view. So, you know, you can be principled and compassionate at the same time. And part of respecting your interlocutor is to respect them enough to be clear and honest and, you know, direct about what you think too. So I think there's that middle ground, both in the how to think accurately about the world and how to engage with compassion in a principled way that, you know, to my mind, those sort of two spectra go to, go together we want to be in the middle of both and i'd just say on that on the very far denial end if you're not someone who is comfortable having these conversations or comfortable getting frustrated just just walk away from the strong deniers it's not worth your time and your energy and your emotional um back, like load um just walk walk away because they're they're not at a point where they are going to be sort of open to hearing your thoughts and I'll find a book sometime soon that's a really good book on um by Casey Taft here we go Casey Casey Taft a um 
a psychologist, vegan psychologist, he talks about motivational methods for vegan advocacy, a clinical psychology perspective. It provides a really good sort of overview of some of the um, ways of approaching conversations around um, veganism in this case, but they extend to other conversations as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's you've, you've got to be compassionate for yourself, which means you know, maybe don't engage with the people on the far extreme end if you're not psychologically ready for a deeply frustrating conversation. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, kind of nearly running out of time. I just wanted to briefly mention before we take off as well, I think, um, yeah, we'll put a link again to Christopher Sebastian's article on euronews.com. Also, there was a really interesting discussion, uh, which I believe a listener sent to us after our uh, episode on vaccination and veganism. Um, it was Christopher Sebastian on the Bearded Vegans podcast. You can find that at thebeardedvegans.com. Um, and yeah, they were talking about there are some parallels with um, veganism as well like why talk to someone who's just so entrenched in not being vegan and kind of move on to the next person and kind of the same with with those who are vegan but hold these conspiratorial views like some people probably aren't perhaps you know going to be worth that effort of engaging with or you know aren't receptive and then you can move on to the next person as well but just one point i wanted to make from that uh, bearded vegans podcast with christian sebastian uh christian sebastian does a lot of work similar to what we sometimes touch on this show of like an intersectional approach of challenging racism and sexism in the animal movement and those kind of issues but he was sort of said there's kind of a weird interpretation of that in a way or kind of using similar language of you know we're inclusive like let's let everyone in and so let's let you know, racist and uh, anti-vaxxers and people who say, you know, veganism is a cure-all for all health problems to speak at Vegan Festival because, well, let's let everyone in. So it's kind of like a weird sort of uh, flip around. And so he was talking about in terms of one solution to this issue is like when you're organising a festival, for example, you can actually think carefully, who are we giving a platform to? Not just are they vegan, but are these the kind of, we're sort of giving an image of veganism and same as even shows like this, we're giving a certain portrayal of veganism. So we're going to think about who we're giving a platform to or not so i think in a way we're a little bit too inclusive again obviously it could be inclusive like avoid racism sexism homophobia etc um but yeah not to say that we can't have these conversations with people not to say write them off as bad people but yeah you are vegan but we're just trying to yeah we're going to focus on these stalls and these speakers instead like you are portraying giving a certain portrayal of the movement as well so that's one point that stuck with me so check that out uh for more uh before we take off um yeah could you give us a little plug for sentientism podcast jamie um yeah website etc social media there's facebook groups as well yeah, of course. So the main place to go is sentientism.info. It's a somewhat amateurish website, but it's got all the links on it. Uh, we're building a range of global online communities. Yeah, the biggest on, is on Facebook. So uh, just search for sentientism on there or any other platform. We're on Reddit, Discord, all the others too. Um, and yes, we run a YouTube and a podcast. So far, I've done almost 100 interviews with an amazing range of um, celebrities, academics, philosophers, activists, writers um, who agree and disagree with the sentientist idea. So uh, yeah, I'd love to continue the conversation. And in a way, part of the idea is, you know, it does have a very strong overlap with veganism and animal advocacy, of course, right? Because in short, most animals are sentient. So the clue is in the name. But part of the idea is to make sure that this is also a broader um, story about compassion writ large for all humans, as well as human animals, as well as non-human animals. Um, And um, so it's, it's also trying to broaden this out as a uh, philosophical platform that we can build loads of stuff on rather than it being one other 
single issue campaign that may distract us from other things that are also important. So it doesn't answer all the problems, but it's just a suggested starting point of evidence, reason and compassion that we can then build on. Great. Thank you. And a reminder that we air one till two every Sunday. Check us out via 855am if you're in Melbourne, uh, 3cr.org.au from anywhere around the world. Um, you can check out all of our podcasts via 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species. Um, and as I mentioned, there's a whole bunch of shows that kind of sort of led up to this show, uh, vaccinations and being vegan and non-vegan world, um, solving all the world's problems through sentientism with Jamie Woodhouse, which uh, who we've got on the show today, um, anti-vaccinableism um, by Davida and Trev, featuring Claire. Um, lots of shows I think have identified these issues, and I guess this this show has been some sort of attempt to not solve them, but at least create a discussion around um, solutions as well. So you can find all those shows via that site. Um, you can also check us out on a range of podcast apps, including iTunes and Spotify. Um, feedback freedomofspecies at gmail is our email address, and we're also on a bunch of social media too um, stay tuned for rotations which features uh, uh, music from a range of 3CR presenters we're going to finish up with a song um, a skeptics love song uh, by Just Nick it isn't me but uh, an artist called Just Nick uh, the whole skepticism in the title made it relevant uh, it's kind of more a reference to politics and collecting that love and stuff but I thought it was somewhat relevant but uh, that is all we have time for today um, thanks so much for joining me Jamie and Adam Thank you. Well, I'd need you like foreign oil And you need me like a hospital bed But girl, you ain't got no health insurance And the U.S. of A don't care if you're dead Because a little bit of skepticism can go along Sell tickets and then you can't play all those dirty vegan punks are so full of hate. You're the Nixon to my one game. My best friends die in ISIS and Apollo OD'd on crack. We're just runaway kids with books full of pages so we learn our lesson we ain't coming back because those who scream the loudest will always be heard all cats are beautiful and all cops are bastards they can drag me podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3cr in melbourne australia for more information go to allthews.3cr.org.au